Hey, and welcome everyone to another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. On this Photo Friday special episode, I welcome Vivaldi Boussico and uh, Dimitri Rousseau, uh, my awesome compadres and faithful duo. As we attack uh, on this episode, uh, we're attacking the very daunting subject, a uh, very wide array subject of the ethics in photojournalism. Um, so many things can be said about uh, how photojournalism has evolved over the years, what are the standards, uh, where the line has uh, been pushed and uh, where the line has has been blurred, what to do, what not to do, when to shoot, when not to publish. So many questions and so many Pandora's boxes have been attacked and opened and we're trying to close them or try to find our own little way to uh, throw our hats into the ring. But uh, another engaging episode and I can't thank Vivaldi and uh, Dimitri again uh, for being a part of this and uh, give, taking their time and insight uh, just to, you know, just uh, try to wrangle the beast and uh, give you our two cents on the subject. So without further ado, Awaken the Awesome, Photo Friday special. Let's do this. It's nice to have you guys over. First of all, we haven't. The last time we saw each other, the logo was different. <laughs> so it's nice. It's nice to get back into this roundtable. So uh, thanks again for being here. Uh, what I wanted to get into, just in the gist of it, is basically the code of ethics in photojournalism. It's not. It's something that. Um, when you're covering when you're covering media and media consumption and how content is promoted, you know, throughout the world of the interwebs and in this age of fast paced, you know, photo distribution, um, you always have to take two seconds to breathe. And the last discussion we had, Vivaldi and I, regarding, um, you know, just because we brushed on just a little bit about do you publish or don't you, how editors and publications and magazines, how they go about, you know, basically, you know, um, putting, you know, the go sign or the stop sign on what uh, decides to get published or not. Are you TMZ? Are you the Huff Post? Are you the New Yorker? Are you the New York Post? And what is the expectation of the consumer towards the publication? Is it like, oh, okay, maybe they shouldn't have published that, or definitely that we should publish that, or does the photographer decide? Does the editor decide? So, all that jumbling in my head was like, you know what, this would make a very good conversation, which why I thought, you know, I'd call on you guys just to get your two cents. Uh, in all honesty, again, uh, neither one of us is all the almighty authority, but there's some pretty good information out there. In preparation for this episode, uh, I did some bit of digging myself. I'm sure you guys did uh, in terms of the World Press Photo Code of Ethics, uh, Photographers Without Border Code of Ethics. So it's basically an open conversation as uh, we usually do. I just want to get your two cents on uh, various topics. First of all, when we talk about um, photojournalism, and Dims, I wanted to get your take on this first, uh, since I know, like, you know, you always, you know, you've got your pulse on these things. You as well, Viv. Um, what do you consider? And I know it's a very cliche type of question. What is a photojournalist? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big question. And, well, you know, I'm not a photojournalist or a journalist for that matter. And I think that's the first first disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, disclaimer. We're not the authorities, but angry comments from people. Hey, you're not a journalist. You don't know what you're talking about. So this is coming from uh, like an outsider's perspective, of course. Um, and I think the first question you have to ask is, what is what is a journalist, right? Um, and I think a photojournalist is somebody is, a, is first and foremost a journalist that is using the visual photo medium to 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 convey the stories. But essentially, he's a, he's a journalist. So. Oh, you know. 
when you when you told me that about the subject and i i almost wanted to say olivier i think it's a bigger subject than the ethics of photojournalism i think it's the ethics and journalism that, that is kind of the broad subject obviously we're all photo enthusiasts so we can choose kind of that specific niche um but i think the, the conversation is broader and and when you were talking about um our expectations from the new york times versus tmz versus uh, the new york post i've seen things published in in higher level papers like the new york times not to single them out or anything mm-hmm. that you're like how does that how does that get into the new york times like what like this I, i would expect tmz to or cnn to have this but not the new york times so not the new york times so and i think the last i think the the industry as a whole is going to a sort of shift you mentioned some of the elements like the way that information is being consumed obviously has changed tremendously uh, people are it's almost like headline journalism now uh, people don't take the time to read anymore it's all about tweets 140 characters even though now they're going with 280 which is kind of counterintuitive <laughs> um, but so i think as we're moving toward this kind of fast paced uh, okay I, i'm i'm wondering if the standards are getting lower not just in ethics perspective but just the quality perspective as a whole and that's also a conversation but yeah so just just some thoughts to get to get started i mean well for sure like i said for sure because when when you hours about the subject right when you talk well certainly because if you every question you ask is in a open, open another pandora's box into other type of school questions but i know it was a loaded question didn't mean to sing you single you out there but i just believe that in the realm of this conversation when you talk about okay we're going to talk about the ethics of photojournalism but you know not Of course we expect our audience to actually be, you know, photo curious, photo curious or photo enthusiast, but at the very core of the conversation you also have to ask yourself like okay, if we're just going to talk about what it means to be a photojournalist, do we understand clearly what it is to be a photojournalist? And if we're just taking it off a basic um because as I, as you were talking we just basically looked up a basic reference, right? It's actually describes as someone who photographs edits and displays images in order to tell a visual story. There's some more here stuff but um you know they're saying like uh, this person is is a journalistic professional that is skilled at interpreting and communicating the event throughout a photograph. So okay so we're talking about a representation or a recounting of a particular event or circumstance via the visual medium. So that's very important. Now uh, Viv, I'm going to throw this to you. Um when uh again in preparation for this thing and I think I sent you guys uh, this talk I was looking at over the course of the last week this very interesting talk and I will link to it uh, once this episode goes uh, goes live um about uh, this uh, photojournalist uh, from Iran. Or was it Lebanon? I can't remember. I, I'm I'm sorry. But uh his name was Natan Veer is Natan Veer was. I'm sorry. Um and he was talking about different points and where he was doing a lot of um of uh not role playing but a lot of situational questioning in terms of what would you do what would you do type of thing and which basically solicited the audience's curiosity in terms of oh okay split that second decisions where you understand that the lines in terms of right and wrong are not so clear cut depending on what you are in the field because at the end of the day you realize that it's a split second decision that you as the photographer have to take now um what i want to ask you is basically um 
from our perspective, he used a very important term called the misrepresentation of reality. Do you believe that as a photojournalist, we have, from the consumer's perspective, we have come to have this expectation of integrity and reality from this person who's telling this story? Um, I think it depends how you, what's your definition of integrity in journalism. Okay. Uh, because it's not always that clear, I, I think. I was listening to America, uh, Chris Edges, and he was saying the goal of a journalist, he said, like, it's not like to not manipulate the facts. We all, he said, all journalists play with the facts. Like, you, you write an article, and yeah, you look at the facts, and, but you play with them because you want to convey a story to make the, the reader interested in the story. But what you don't change is the truth. Like, as long as your manipulation serves the truth, he considers that integrity. Okay. So I think it's the same thing with, uh, with photography because you're going to choose which image, images you show or not. Okay. Like in the process, so that's why I don't really agree with what you said, what uh, the the lecturer said about the about the split in the split in uh, second. Mm-hmm. Because the decision to shoot or not is one thing, but this, at the end you still have to edit the picture and publish it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a longer thought process than just taking the picture. You can still take it and not publish it. Okay. So. Yeah, and as a street photographer, I, I think I, I'm more of that kind of uh, shooter. I mean, it's it's different. I don't have that same kind, of maybe responsibility or, or or do I? It's it's another debate. Like, there's also debates about ethics and street photography. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that first of all, I think humans uh, true objectivity doesn't exist. First of all, so any. I cannot imagine any journalist that can claim to have written or shown a 100% neutral story that wasn't 100% inaccurate of facts. I mean, all newspapers have editorial lines. They have... There's a bias somewhere. Because what you see and what you choose to publish is shaped by your views of the world. So I think as a photojournalist, you're going to be interested in certain subjects because you have certain views of the world. And the story that you're trying to tell is going to have some bias. So I think just from a starting point, I I don't think that any any journalist can claim like 100% objectivity. I don't think that's, that's, that's a real thing. And I think what you've already said is important. What, what really matters is is that it stays true, right? Um, so if it's not like outright propaganda or <laughs> or manip- and 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 I, we're probably going to talk about the subject of manipulation. Uh, I actually went to WordPress photo was it two weeks ago? I was in Toronto and I went to see WordPress at a super really nice gallery, and and um, you know there's there's been a lot of debates the last few years about WordPress and about the type of pictures that are winning and how processed are they or are they not, et cetera. So there, there, there's a lot of um, nuances to, to what, is it, what is it the truth and yeah. 
I realize that because there's a lot of that going on exactly because when you're talking about WordPress photo, which is obviously like, you know, the reference or basically the gold standard that every photojournalist aspires to is like, again, aside from the Pulitzer Prize, everybody, you know, eventually, if that is your goal, you want to not just cover a compelling story, but you also, you know, want, would like that recognition. Of course, yeah. WordPress photo is your ultimate goal, but uh, there was a lot, not, I can't say controversy, but a lot written over the fact that a lot, a large percentage of images increasingly over the past few years have been rejected because of, you know, obvious, you know, when Photoshop becomes the tool of manipulation. And I invite anybody who has a few seconds, just go on the WordPress photo website and check out the contest rules. And there are two little videos about uh, the nuances in manipulation. And uh, basically the narrator gives you a quick, uh, a quick overview of what's considered, you know, a change in tone, change in contrast. Okay, that's acceptable. But if you're talking about removing an element that's obviously there compared to, because right now, as you know, um, in the WordPress contest, basically they ask you for the raw file and they compare it to the final image, which was submitted. That was that way, depending on how much information is missing from the original file, that's the way to decide. But again, there's a bias there. Okay, what is your point of reference? How much can I edit? How much can I change? How much can I take out? So it's it's a lot. And this is not new, but it's become in it's become an increasing problem. And again, back at this reference of the line has been pushed to a certain degree now okay now is this the new norm is it, it because it might become because you break the rules so often right until it becomes the norm and then you're going to break them again and you're going to push them again so it's becoming more and more of a concern so um so it's become it, it's become it's becoming troublesome actually so i can understand where the nuances may lay and how people can get confused so there's it's never clear cut but you're right about one thing I don't believe there's such a thing as true objectivity. There is, you have your own opinion, you have your own side of the story you want to tell. And the truth, again, is what you make of it and how you express it. And for the, either in the written form or in the visual medium, how you convey that image. And again, how that image is perceived, it's up to you. But it's, it's wow, man, it's, a, it's, it's crazy. It's, it really, really poses a lot of, um, caveats if i might say but um what i want when we talked about the misrepresentation of reality um if we want to take you know the aspect of okay the contest the simple matter of a contest does it matter okay why do why does a why does a, a competition like wordpress photo matter you know in your opinion in general or for in general? general? In general. Uh, like, why does it matter? <clears throat> I guess like, it matters for viewers to if because I guess like in the journal, for example, the emphasis is more on the writing, maybe like an event to showcase the images is not a bad thing. I don't Okay. I don't know why it matters. Like, matters is a big word. Uh, I mean, I think the world would survive without WordPress photo, probably. Uh, but, 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 but I, I guess I mean it's it, it's kind of asking have the Academy Awards uh, matter for for cinema, right? It's, I think it's 
as it is there are plenty i believe there are plenty of good photographers that, are ne that have never submitted to world press photo and they're doing just fine there's like does it well, mean that does it mean that if your images has never have never been submitted on WordPress photo means that you're a bad photographer for so say you've never seen conflict or you don't know how to manipulate or how to you know transmit a, co a compelling image you know so because there's always that you know it's like a chef who, who's never won a Michelin star doesn't mean you can't cook you know so I, I'm just throwing out dy dy dynamite questions today I'm I think the question <laughs> that matters about the WordPress is if you feel that there's always a certain style that win every year. And as you said before, every a lot of photojournalists want to be on the world press. How does it affect the subject or the topics that they choose they choose to cover? See that does it have, I think that's where the question becomes interesting relating to the topic is do then photojournalists how do they choose their stories? That's true. That's true. If we realize, if you look at the past years, go ahead. You, you make a great point. That's exactly where, where, what I was thinking about. Um, I mean, I've been going to WordPress for maybe six, seven years now, maybe more. Uh, I missed some of them when I was living in Latin America. Um, but you have to ask yourself that question. Is WordPress photo shaping the kind of storytelling that the journalists are pursuing because they want to get that recognition? Because then... Definitely a certain style of pictures that win. Um, like for me to you, obviously, the, the, the disasters and the wars change, but there's always Syria, Libya. That's why my mom stopped going, for example. My mom is not a photographer, but she stopped going because she said it's always kind of the same kind of misery. Um, and there's, there, there's, there's an argument to be made, I, I think, against that. Um, and I know some photographers, David Dushman, just one that comes to mind, is. Mm -hmm. Somebody that says, well, you know, the kind of pictures that, not that I'm critiquing the photographers necessarily, but, okay, I, I think there's more interesting things to show from the world. There are beautiful things happening in the world. Like, when you go to World Press, I always, I don't get out of it, like, depressed, but I always kind of like, man, this is, okay, this is the best, this is the cream of the crop of photo, photo, photographers, photojournalists in the world. And, I mean, the pictures are great, but you're like, I'm living in a really messed up world. <laughs> and is that the message that, that the journalists should be conveying? I'm not sure. So th there's definitely, so, and it's so like what you were saying, is it because the world is such a messed up place or is it because as a photojournalist, I know if I want to get that recognition, I have to cover atrocities and disasters and, and hunger and, you know, there, is there nothing else going on in the world that deserves recognition or coverage? Because the WordPress does have different types of sections, but every time you look at the photo of the year, it's always that. And my favorite ones were from nature, actually, <laughs> which, which were not about uh, any disaster. Uh... That's refreshing. Yeah, that's refreshing. But I think there's also the question in photojournalists is, is like, what kind of story where the the photo more impactful if you compare yeah. for example to writing or to okay usually like when there's a story that doesn't get traction in the media a great photo of that same event will just launch it into the stratosphere in terms of everyone will talk about it because of those images i think there's also the fact that we have to recognize that yeah, images are great to showcase like 
unknown tragedies that are happening. It's often the image that will bring those stories. And I think because the image has become so effective at those kind of stories, it's also why they keep winning. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, a good example is Afghan Girl. Everybody, like a lot of people, criticize Steve McCurry, and that because of that picture alone, I think they, they raised a million dollars for Afghan Afghan uh, girls and for that one photo. Or uh, the Kevin Carter picture, also like huge amount of donations came to to Africa after that. So I mean, and it's also the pictures that people remember. And those are pictures that people remember. Yeah, even if I you didn't know there was. Uh... Uh, a whole, uh, a lot of people talking. Uh, there was a lot of scandal around Tenement the pictures. Square, Tenement Square student. You remember the girl. You remember those. Um, yeah, exactly. Tenement Square student, uh, Napalm, uh, Napalm girl, Afghan girl, Kevin Carter, uh, with the, the vulture. You you just say that you already know what you're talking about. Everybody yeah, you see the image. You it see it. It's compelling. I guess everybody's trying to create something so that significant. And it's always a race towards recognition. But I do you think that those guys shot it with that in mind? I don't think so. Is it say I'm just launching myself and I'm getting ready to have the tomato stone in my face for that? I don't think that at that particular moment that is what you wanted to produce. You just shot and it just so happens it was so compelling that it touched that many people over so many generations. For good or for bad. I think it depends on the photographer. Like Yeah. You think so? Yeah, yeah, some are probably chasing that that image. Okay. Some might do it because they love conflicts. I don't think like well, I think all photojournalists that follow conflicts also love conflicts. Like it's not like they don't um, I don't think it's something you can do like on a regular basis if you are repost, You say that right? and, I, and I'm automatically thinking of Joao Silva. I don't know why I'm just thinking about Joao and just thinking like, you know, that's all, that's big. Is that, because like, I think of Joao Silva and I think like, isn't that what all he does? <laughs> it's like pretty much yeah. all the time. I went to, when I was in Peru, I went to see a, a, a like a little panel of like, and there was this photojournalist. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but he was, he was French and uh, like one of the definitely war uh, photo, photojournalist type guys. Um, and, Interesting enough, he, anyways, that was his opinion, that he was extremely anti-war. Um, and, and the reason that he got into the business, I think it was around the, the, the Korea War. Um, and he went and his idea was that if I, if I show the world how awful war is, like, and, and, I, and I, I show enough pictures, then people will say, no, this makes no sense. We should no longer do war. And I mean, he, he, he was saying this as a young 20-year-old. Wow. Uh, so there was a level of naivete over there, obviously. Wow. Um, but that, that was his, his end game. But then, and he was saying, and he was kind of jaded at that point. Like, he's now, I think, probably in his late 50s, early 60s. And he was just like, at one point, you realize that no matter how much you show people how awful war is, there will still be war. And he was saying, but then that is my career now. So, I mean, I'm not going to stop conjuring. <laughs> I'm not, even though now I don't necessarily believe that, that, that initial objective that I had, uh, I'm not going to stop covering conflicts because I think these stories still need to be told. Um, mm -hmm. 
but but it, it 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 came from a place like I said that he thought definitely that by showing these things then that they would stop. If I expose the beast at some point, you know, we're going to band together and attack it at some point. You know, just try to you know just okay. This is my little you know opening up of seeing okay. There's other things going on in the world, and you know this would be a good way to attack it. But if I'm understanding correctly, like okay. That didn't work out too well. Yeah, that, <laughs> but... that did not work out too well. Yeah, I think well, it's, just, well, it's the same thing about anything in politics. Is when you see you're affected by something, how by being shocked by an event and actually changing your behavior in order to find a solution, there's always a big gap. So, yeah, it's. No, I mean, it's... It's hard. It's 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 very complicated subjects. Like I said, um, it is. It is. I was thinking about still thinking about World Press. I mean, uh, again, the pictures are great, um, and and these these are definitely like really good photographers. Like, I thought this year was particularly good, actually, um, really? compared to last year. Um, I like this year because uh, I think the this I'm usually I don't I'm not a big news uh, like spot news picture fan um even though the, the picture of, uh, with the girl and the flower um mm-hmm. with the, uh, was in the u.s during the protest was pretty good um but i like the long-term uh long-term projects that have several pictures more and i like i really like the one uh, it was uh, in brazil um and kind of in this abandoned building where uh you know they had these projects for low-income housing and then the projects were abandoned for lack of funding, and then so, you, but you still have people that are, that are living there in pretty much terrible conditions. I really like yeah. these kind of projects because I feel like these projects they're not there's no blood, there's no they're not gruesome images, but they're still telling a very strong story, and and they're still showing the people in a maybe more empowering light. I mean, they're showing that these people, okay, the government had this big housing project. Uh, that was supposed to, you know, solve a lot of the housing projects that their problems that they're in Brazil mm-hmm. didn't happen that way. But the, the people still organize themselves, and they're not living in great conditions, obviously. But they're still making do with what they have, and they're showing a lot of resilience. I think the, the project kind of shows that. So, I mean, there are definitely super interesting uh, pictures this year. But again, um, if 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 we go back to like the, our initial topic of like ethics and what journalism should be, then a body like World Press Photo shouldn't necessarily be driving the agenda of what photojournalism is. And I work for 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 nonprofits, and it's it's different. But we always there's always that kind of debate that is what is what am I am, what I'm doing? Is it driven by what the donors are funding? Or by the actual needs that are on the floor, and I think oh, the can, cause. Okay, you can transpose that to photography as well. Are the people covering the actual stories that matter that need to be told? There you go. Bring uh, something that comes from—is it a top-down or bottom-up? Because it's definitely it's definitely something that news publications are dealing with right now, and you see that through the plethora of tweets and you know just clickbait and everything. What generates buzz? What generates clicks? What generates likes? What generates views? You realize is basically what people are covering, reporting, and sharing. Um, you know, a lot of people, again, with, it's an atrocious subject, but, you know, let's just take the Harvey Weinstein case right now. It's all, it's all everybody's talking about right now, but 
again, I'm not dismissing the horrible, you know, aspects of, you know, the Hollywood machine and, you know, the casting couch, everything. It's, it's horrible. But at the same time, it's all everybody's talking about. And there's so many other more, you know, impactful and, you know, terrible tragedies going on everywhere in the world, but not generating that much, let's just say, ink throughout the interwebs. But hey, this is what's selling. This is what people are talking about. This is what people want to jazz themselves about. So this is what we're going to cover. This is what we're going to report. And this is what we're going to talk about ad nauseum. So it's not going to stop. So you're very, you're very good on that one. Uh, you've hit the nail on the head because what we cover, what we choose to shoot, and what we choose to submit to our publications are what, we, what most journalists choose to cover. And this is an admission of themselves because this is basically what's going on is because, okay, what do people want to see? They want to see the horror. They want to see the war. They want to feel in this entire aspect of like World War Three is at our door. Oh, we want to be, dare I say, reminded that, oh, yeah, there's so many terrible, horrible things going on. So that's what the photographer is going to keep shooting. As always, you know, we're going, to, we're going to make it just a little bit darker and a little bit more epic and just a little bit somber. And the clarity filter and make the clouds darker. <laughs> but it's it's crazy. But it's it's always it's always the the same question. Like, what do I choose to publish? What do I choose not to publish? Is this an invasion of privacy? Is this too much reporting? It's like when when um, when uh, we talked about all the refugees and because you saw a lot of those. Because uh, if you go on the, I, I believe um, the AP um instagram feed and you saw a lot of photos of people and you know just traveling and trying and getting into boats and being rescued and stuff and a lot of beautiful beautiful portraits and stuff but at the same time like am i really amazed and awed by somebody suffering <laughs> something wrong here <laughs> i felt i felt really bad but hey this is stuff that's actually going on and without these images you basically wouldn't know because who has time to read a long form article about the same subject, you know? So it's, uh, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense, but it's not something I could, I don't think I could do that, uh, because it takes a certain form of, uh, detachment. Um, because if you look at like photographers without borders has a very good, um, code of ethics page. Uh, it's really nice. And they've got about like eight, eight very basic, uh, points. The first one being, and I'll just read it out really quick. Uh, do not harm, do no harm to subjects directly or indirectly, mental, physical, or emotional, and do not shame others for their beliefs. It's like, okay, so don't get in somebody's face, make them feel, you know, don't, don't harm, like do no harm. But in certain... Also the principle of uh, humanitarian intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting that they, they would start with that. Wow. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty clear. It's, it's, pretty also, clear it's, it's not but, as easy to uphold as you think. <laughs> okay. Because uh, you think about it, like do no harm. Uh, so I'm an NGO and I work in women's rights, right? So I, I, I go to, to Afghanistan and start telling women, hey, you have the right to vote, you have the right to do this and that. And then I leave and all of these women, then they get killed because they start claiming for their rights. So then I have done harm, you know? Wow. Wow. And same thing in an image. If you show, like, well, I don't know, militia raping women, let's say you do, like, do you do no harm to who? Like, is... I'm guessing they're, refer they're referring to the subject. Yeah, but even if it's the, the, the rapist, like, it's, you still cover it. 
like if you cover the stories, there's there will be reper repercussion on yep. and on the victim and on so to which point where do you draw the line of what is harm and what's not harm? That's what I said. It's really, it seems like an obvious thing. Oh, do no harm, but it's actually really complicated. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. Very Makes me think of this uh, this photo. I'm not sure if you guys seen it, and I totally forgot the photographer. I, I feel really ashamed, but um, it's uh, this very photo. I'm just I, I'm sure if I'm going to describe, you're going to see which photo I'm talking about. It's because um, I, I saw that I saw it in um, in a collection of Life magazine, uh, black and whites, and it's basically this photog this um, this photo of uh, domestic abuse, and this uh, the man was basically slapping the woman. Yep. With a child in the room. Yeah, I've seen that. You've seen, the, you've seen the one I'm talking about, right? So, okay. There was a lot so, of debate about how if the photographer should intervene in a situation like this. Exactly, exactly. So, kind of again, what do you do? What do you do? And it's always like, okay, is it better to intervene? Um, again, with that, uh, that talk I was talking about, Mr. V was talking about the photo can actually serve as evidence against the abuser because mm -hmm. you know the the victim has a case against the person who who slapped her see so you're sort of helping the situation but you're also taking a photo a photo so it's not so clear cut but you can see how you know you can make a case for either side but if, uh, well i always had another case which always comes <laughs> with how people follow stories well or how they always present that argument, which is not that I totally disagree with it. Like, I, for sure, in the moment, like, I would want to defend the, the woman. But at the same time, is journal, the, the purpose of journalism is to inform everyone about the situation. Do I, I could, and usually, for, if you take that example, it's something that happens all the time. So if the purpose of the journalist is to inform is to do a story about domestic abuse and bring, and because of that picture, there's a discussion about abuse in, in general, like in, in policy-wise. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it to, to not have the image and not having the access to take the pictures to save, again, like it's kind of sound pretty uh, terrible, but is it, is, Stopping one situation worth not having the discussion in general. Okay. Yeah, because what you just said, the fundamental thing you said here is access. One of the reasons why the journalists in the world stop. have access to so many situations is because they don't intervene. Like a terrorist group, for example, like ISIS, <laughs> I mean, there's also an odd that they will kidnap you and cut your head off. But For sure. There's also the chance that they might let you in and cover the story. And the reason why they know that when once they start firing at these U.S. soldiers, that you're not going to be in the yeah, middle. Tell them no, don't do it, or or, or shoot at them. I mean, the whole non-intervention thing is kind of almost like a fundamental basis that allows journalists to be in places where other people wouldn't necessarily. I think it's sort. Uh, it, it's the written rule that I guess that we have to basically, this is, it's just by having these hesitations and what, what I do, I pretty much see, okay, I would, I, I, you have to understand, you have to have a particular mentality to be a photojournalist because exactly for that example, because we do know 
that you know certain photographers have access to these you know when you when you see a vice uh, a vice um, expose about i don't know like okay the dark underbelly of uh, i don't know like you know handmade guns in uh, sri lanka or something i'm just i'm just firing off stuff but they have some amazing coverage and i always ask myself how the hell do they have access to these people <laughs> Because I guess that these people trust them enough with, you know, the luxury of, okay, we're going to give you this privileged access and we understand that you're not going to be, you're just going to report for the sake of informing, but not intervening, which is a very important, you know, line that, you know, I guess the most skilled and experimented, you know, photojournalists will not cross. But at the same time, what does that say about your personal values and, you know, the morality of situations? So... Again, these are but questions the morality, launched off in the air. But the, well, the morality is also in the discussion that will happen after. Okay. Like you want to talk about domestic abuse because you feel that there should be a law or there should be uh, that women are not protected enough by the law or whatever. That it's a topic that needs to be shown to the public. Like if there's a need for that discussion, is stopping one journalist from having those pictures help the story like how much women can be saved by having that discussion compared to the journalist saving one 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 victim yeah i completely agree with you and i think first of all that that, that long-term impact for me definitely i, I don't want to say the end justify the means that sounds cynical but that's sort of the idea and i think i could even make the case that the fact that the photographer is present, for example, during that specific picture of, uh, of domestic abuse, maybe also does act like some sort of deterrent. I mean, the guy still hits the girl, but maybe if the journalist wasn't here, maybe he would have killed her, you know? What would he have done if the photographer wasn't there? He wasn't there, yeah. Because if you're going to look at, okay, yeah, sure, he's a fly in the wall who's not really intervening, but I mean, all the subjects are aware that he's there. So I think that affects their behavior in some way. As always, when you know, you already know, when you know your cam a camera's on, you're going to act differently, obviously. Nobody stays totally disconnected from the presence of a camera. We all know this. What, what, but what I would want to kind of make a connection to the Weinstein thing and what we're just saying about how these pictures and like start a conversation. What, what I found is sometimes regrettable um, is that, so right now for example the, to the hot topic is, is harvey weinstein and his multiple cases of, of of sexual aggressions if that would spark a long-lasting conversation that would lead to actions and policies and like workplace power dynamic changing i, I, I would be I, I would think that's amazing but i feel like recently i don't know if it's always been the case but i feel like recently what we what tends to happen is that there's a lot of talk about a topic for two weeks everybody's talking about it and there's hashtags and, and it's all great. And then we just move on to the next topic. And then there's no actual concrete action that we made on our previous topic. And not to get too political, but it's, it's happening a lot in politics these days. Like awesome. something comes out, like this leader has done this and everybody's outraged and we're talking about it. And then there's like opinion pieces and then something else happens. And it's like, we completely forget. So I mean, I, I, I sure hope that, I mean, first of all, that justice, uh, the victims of Harvey Weinstein find justice, and, but I, that also the power dynamics in Hollywood change because Harvey Weinstein is just a person, right? And I think there's a, I remember reading Imperial Bedrooms, which is this book by uh, Brett Easton Ellis, and it's, 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 it's really about like 
Hollywood producers and how, how like completely messed up they are and how they use their power positions to to, to abuse emotionally, physically young actors, etc. And it's a fiction. It's a book of fiction. But when I read it, I was like, "That sounds super credible." And that was way before Dan Scandal came out. So, anyway, so what I'm saying is that I hope, like, it's, it's. I, I think that's the importance of journalism is to bring these stories forward so that there's that conversation. But I'm feeling that more and more, it seems that the resulting actions are no longer really happening because we're, we're so, we're, 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 we're like, we're like people with ADHD. We have this split second because it's not, and that's become, so, that's definitely become like, the next week, already. Everyone was like, who's Harvey Weinstein again? Like <laughs> we've seen this before and we're going to see it happen again because it's always, what's the talk of the now. And by the next two weeks, it's definitely going to disappear at some point. And that's the sad part, right? It's fun to talk about because this is what, this is what you know that what's making the bread and butter of most publications. And it's, I, I'm sorry to use the word, but it's nice to talk about because the discussion is happening about the abuse and uh, you know, um, uh, and I, w- I would say basically, I can't use another word, the abuse of young and struggling actors because not just women, but mostly women, but there are also men that we don't talk about because a lot of you know young you know male actors also have come out you know i'm just i'm just thinking about you know situations i think elijah wood put out a piece a, a couple of years ago about how he was abused when he was coming up so a lot of that is happening and it's still happening also, uh, to mention how uh, he was grilled by a hollywood producer i mean it's it's it's, it's it but it, it's 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 really about power dynamics if you think about definitely. it definitely definitely because you have to put yourself in the position and not to single them up but usually white men with a lot of money and a lot of influence and that just completely think that they can do whatever the hell they want it's unfortunate but it's still happening but the discussion is happening but as you said as unfortunate as it is we know it's going to happen. Give it another maybe two or three weeks because everybody's going to tweet about it. Everybody's going to you know, go to the 140 character pitchforks. But again, I'm really, really, really hoping that the victims get uh, their due justice because it's a terrible thing to happen over such a long period of decades. And I really hope that this turns out, you know, that it definitely changes, you know, how Hollywood works. But again, we can be hopeful and I'm hoping that humanity prevails in terms of how we choose to treat each other, you know, as uh, as people and as colleagues, because it's a very vicious industry. And is in this consumption of like chewing up our celebrities and just spitting them out, it's uh, it's definitely something that uh, must be traumatic for the, all the victims involved. But um, yeah, man, this uh, wow, this conversation is just so animated, man. Thanks so much, guys. Man, wow. But what? just to uh, kind of do a kind of circle back to to photography using that, sure. I think I was talking earlier about what are photos good for compared to to uh, writing or uh, video. I think one of the difference of the photo of the photos is they have a different cycle than written journalism. Or a, a photo that have impact usually stays a lot longer in the mind of people than a written article. Like if I just think about the actually, like the the picture that that won the WordPress photo this year is the photo of the uh, Turk, the Turkish uh, killer of the Russian ambassador. Yes. Okay. When I saw that picture, I was like, "Yep, that's gonna win the WordPress." Yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. And I still remember that picture. Like 
that picture stayed in my mind for like a few weeks. It hits you. And it you probably don't remember any article that you read about or, or vaguely, you know. Vaguely. But you hear the photo, you see the photo, you know exactly what you're talking about. There's no doubt in your mind. Even myself, when I saw it, I'm like, this, this is the winning. This is winning. And There's no contest. And if you kind of paid attention, you realize that, well, Turkey was already in the media, but it stayed in the media. Like there were different things happening in Turkey, but maybe it has no relation to the picture. But I have a feeling that Turkey was in the the media because people were just paying more attention to what's going on in Turkey. They were suddenly a lot more interested in what's what's going on in Turkey because of that picture. So we have an inherent responsibility, even though that's not our intent, but we always have to put in the back of our minds that these images that we choose to cover, again, putting myself into men, in the mentality and the responsibility, because that's also a very important word. We talked about accountability in terms of misrepresentation of the reality, but now I'm also talking about responsibility in terms of how we choose to report the circumstance, because you never know how far your image is going to go. So these images have power and resonance more so, or should I say as much as the written word, but I, through this example, we already see that more so because the image is going to stay imprinted into your subconscious and really going to, you know, solicit some emotions that the written word wouldn't because nobody has the time, again, to read a long form. I just, you know, it's, 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 it's not something most people do now. You know, we just read the headlines, we click, oh, nice photo, moving on to the next one. But, but even you know, if they do, it's, it's not, they're not going to remember that article for, it won't have the same uh, emotional impact as a as a image yeah no for sure and i i mean just i'm gonna throw a little curveball there um but but it could also be uh the reverse impact uh, i don't know if you guys know uh, michael Mal- malcolm gladwell's uh, revisionist history uh, podcast it's yeah fantastic. great great and, um one of the my favorite episodes is uh, and it was a discovery of my girlfriend um it was about this picture uh, and one of the most iconic pictures of the U.S. civil rights movement of the of the sixteen of the sixties. Uh, I'm not sure it was taken in Selma specifically, but it was one of these big protests that ended up super violently. And then one of the pictures uh, was of this young black boy, uh, seemingly that was part of the protests, and then like a, a cop and his dog, like the dog almost jumping at the little boy. Okay. And that picture became so famous that there is actually a statue of that boy in that city in the United States. But then in the podcast, and I, 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 obviously we're not going to go into <laughs> it's a one hour podcast, so I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. you the whole story. But eventually, mm-hmm. but they realized that first of all, that boy was not part of the civil rights movement. But even like he's black, but he doesn't consider himself black. Like he, <laughs> there was one point where in the interviewing, and he, and he was like, "I really don't like this picture because the." it makes me look like an African boy. And, you know, I'm not like that. And he's like, I was never, I don't think the civil rights movement was useful. It didn't do anything for me. Like, the, wow. It was like, and, and the interviewer, they were just like mind blown. It's like, what, what is happening here? Like this guy is supposed to, he's an icon of the civil rights movement. And because he was, and, but that picture has had a huge impact because it kind of like it's a picture that made the rounds. It went to Europe, and people were saying, "I'm looking oh, at it right now." I see how it is happening in the United States? You know, uh, how 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 a young boy cannot like. And the kid, he was actually just on his way to school, <laughs> and he, he was basically a bystander. <laughs> and wow. then it became like his photo. Be, and the p- person that took the picture 
it, I don't think it was an intentional. Uh, it was not like a, it wasn't like a goal to misrepresent the situation or anything. It, it, mm-hmm. it was a complete accident, pretty much. Um, so, it, so what we're saying about how pictures last sometimes, even if what we think the picture is saying is not even the truth, pictures do <laughs> last forever. It's That's always about that, well, but, three years later, it comes back and does an episode about. That's what I was saying about the manipulation and how it doesn't necessarily show the facts, but it shows the truth. Like maybe that kid did not believe in civil rights movement, and maybe it was not taking that context. But because it fed, it fell into the what was happening in the time. Yeah, it served an agenda. Yeah, that was the truth. Like there was oppression. There was oppression. Yeah, there was there was segregation, and it totally served the agenda of what was going on at the time. So that's what I mean. Like, there's no objectivity. There's no like covering. Uh, I don't think you can cover reality in an image. But the question is: Is your picture serving the truth? And the truth doesn't have to be like in the context of that picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I'm sure, I, I don't want to speak uh, for, the, for the photographer, but I'm sure if you ask them, like, knowing now, in, would, would you still have published this picture? He'd probably say yes, I would still have published probably it. Probably say yes. Um, but one other thing, like, that also is interesting is that we, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Photoshop and, and, and how, you know, manipulation. Steve McCurry has been one of the people that has, that, that's taken a lot of flack for this uh, recently. Um, but it's not really new, you know. Um, I remember, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but Stalin, w- when, when he fell out with Trotsky, he, one of the first things that the, the, the communists started to do was remove Trotsky from all of the major events that happened during the Russian Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> the picture of Lenin and Trotsky was next to him, and all of a sudden Trotsky was no longer Trotsky was never there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not you Like, Photoshop is just a tool. Like, um... People always manipulated pictures in different ways. Dodging and burning was always happening in the dark. It's always there. It was always there. Uh, Taking out something that you did. I saw. I saw. It was a decent movie with. Um, it was called. It's called Life, actually, and it's about this photographer that covered James Dean right before his death. Mm-hmm. And um, so usually I do this when I watch a movie about like a actual event. I, I I tend to like Google the stuff, and when you look at like the editing that was done on that iconic picture of James Dean kind of walking over a bridge uh, with his uh, winter coat, like it's it's the most famous picture of him. There's a lot of dodging and burning and how the contrast here that makes him, that definitely gives him that kind of rebel without James Dean. You know, and and that was like in the 1940s. So that's always been there. Um, Now, obviously there's in the context of journalism if you're doing an editorial like that on a celebrity, is it the same? Is it still journalism? I mean, there's there's a lot of questions to be asked, but I think Photoshop is just is just a tool. I think people make a bit too much of almost now like a modified picture. People will call it a Photoshop picture, and mm-hmm. I think that 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 makes the assumption that that's the only way that people modify pictures. Pictures have always been modified, so you're never going to give out the actual the actual unedited, unprocessed image because you know as well as I do that it's not the one that's going to be published. You know you're going for a certain look that remains personal, but at the same time impactful. You know what people resonate with. You know what colors give you more. Like, your camera has a processor and an engine. Like, there's no camera that grabs 
reality. You the image that you see is definitely what you're going to get in your raw file. It is not going to happen. So this, again, this this very impactful term of the misrepresentation of reality is definitely something that I understand is purely subjective. It's always on, okay, what works for you and what can you live with? Even when we talk about, again, going through the code of vectors, either from WordPress Photo or from Photographers uh, Without Borders, it's uh, or um, I was also looking um, at the the National Association of Professional Photographers, um, of press photographers, and they were talking about uh, a photo that's staged. Okay, suppose I'm going to Cuba and I'm covering. I don't know. Okay, I'm looking at the iconic, you know, old old person playing playing chess and you know smoking a cigar. It's like, hola, señor. If we and you're asking the person, they're just like, can, can I take a picture for a second? That would be considered staging. Now, depending on what part of the scale you fall on some people would reject it some people say oh no you asked you cut the moment you cut the reality of the moment to actually create this moment so basically you interfered like really really are we really doing this right now so on my personal scale of appreciation i would not hesitate i want i know what type of look i want which would give the setting of what would be considered quote-unquote authentic cuba a Cuban person, because that's what you're seeing when you express a Cuba. But depending on the purists, that would be considered, you know, manipulated or staged. And by certain points of reference, that would not be deemed acceptable. I'm not sure where you guys fall on that. Uh, good question. Uh, personally, I don't like the pictures where people ask the people to look at them, and I don't think they make great pictures in uh, photogenic. Like, mm -hmm. I does it show reality or not? I don't know. Like, I don't see why you would ask someone to to look at. Why would you ask the picture for for a journalistic uh, mm -hmm. purpose? I don't see why you would do it, anyways. So I would reject it. I guess I don't have an ethical reason for it. I just. But if I, we're taking the example that James gave it a little bit a little while ago with uh, David Duchemin. Uh, who does a lot of um, who, who does a lot of uh, you know travel photography, and he does interact with people a lot. Yeah. And if you look at some of his some of his portraits and some of the travels, whether in Tibet or wherever, I don't think they don't make good portraits. I don't see. I just say they don't. I don't think they could make good journalistic pictures. Okay, exactly. I think I think we're honest about what they are like because that's the thing. Again, with McCurry, that was the thing too. It was uh, that he was staging pictures, and then he his answer was always well. People I'm not a photojournalist in the 80s, but for me, I've been a fine art photographer since the 90s for the last 25 years. So okay. my body of work, I don't consider it journalism. I, I, it's, it's published in Nat Geo, which is not like a newspaper, and, and it, it's for exhibitions. So it's not, it's not news. It's not, it's not journalism. So I think it's all about being honest about what it is. I think um, there's that one of my favorite pictures of all time. Actually, it's Le Baiser by uh, Robert Duano. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most known street photo about two lovers kissing, kind of like, and he's, he's, he took it from a from a cafe in Paris. Iconic picture. Uh, but then we they found out that he actually paid these people <laughs> to, to 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 take that picture. <laughs> Does it mean that it's no longer a great picture? No, it's still a pretty great picture. Um, but. In this sense, again, I'm going to go back to street photography, which is kind of more my gym than, than journalism. Mm -hmm. And street photography, there's a sort of unwritten rule that that shouldn't happen. So, still a great picture. Not street it's photography. About Duano, uh, but 
is it still a, is it still street photography per se? I, I don't know. Because it's always that this this is where and this is where I knew we'd end up because it all depends on what what can you live with in terms of the situation, how you're interacting with the situation, what you choose to cover, and how you choose to basically capture the moment. Again, if you're a photojournalist, are you reporting an event? In that case, you have a different set of rules. If you're doing street photography, you have your own personal code of ethics, if you will, that you adhere to. If we take, for example, say Bruce Gilden, who gets into people's faces, who's oh my God. <laughs> Bruce Gilden, if you if you've never if you anybody listening do not know who Bruce Gilden is, a very famous magnet photographer I was based out of New York. Bruce Gilden gets in your face and with a flash. With a flash. Yeah. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what kind of a day you're having, but that's his shtick. He will definitely not hide. How are you? No, no. He gets in your face. and He also, he also loves that he's a big and tall guy, right? He's a big and tall guy. So he will get in your face. I think if he was smaller, he would probably get punched in the face. But yeah. But he is a street photographer. He's also done some reporting, but at the same time, that's what he can live with, and he makes no apologies for it. Okay, this is my shtick. This is how I shoot, and this is what I do, and this is my photography, and this is what I will be known for. See, we're talking about him. So this is your on you capturing these circumstances and these events to know, again, what is your barometer? What is your trade of reference? What is it that you can live with, and what is, what is the line that you will not cross? Again, I knew we'd end up here. I knew we would end up end up here. <laughs> but it also goes back to the the definition you gave, like about telling a story. Mm -hmm. If you ask someone, "Can I take your picture?" and then they look at you, and smile, whatever. What is the story that you're telling? It's, okay. Then it becomes you. You just stage a, a photo to tell you the story the that you wanted. But you're supposed to report a story. So is your action changing what's going on? Have you interfered? Yeah. So what exactly are you reporting? It might work if it's in the middle of, let's say, of, of a series. Like if you want to show a portrait of someone, but then you have other pictures of the event and it just fits in the, some, yeah. then it, it's one picture among, let's say, 20 pictures that together they make a body of work that should that tell a story but that picture itself i don't see how i don't see the purpose that's why i was saying i don't see the purpose of doing that because i don't see what story you're, you're actually telling how is this serving the information how is this serving the um overall reporting how is the public benefiting from this intervention of yours like how is exactly. this serving the story yeah right. I mean, okay. unless the story is, okay, you get to this community of indigenous population and let's say Brazil, and they've never seen a camera in their life. And it's the first time that they're getting their picture taken. So you do this like portrait session and then you show them the pictures and, and that, that is the story. Yeah, that is the, the story. Is that those people exist. Therefore, you don't interact with them. Because yeah. You can interact with them. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you will go back to what's the actual story. What is the actual story? It's like I was re I was listening to an NPR report of um, again with uh, man. There's so many examples of like what would you do? Should they? Shouldn't? Shouldn't they? Uh, talking about the New York Post um, photo, the unfortunately you know tragically famous New York Post photo cover photo about the the gentleman that got unfortunately run over by the by the New York subway. 
And a lot of people were questioning that photo. It was like, okay, how does this, basically, how does this headline, this front page serve the photo? What exactly are we talking about right now? Through noticing this gentleman seconds away from him, him meeting his passing. Um, how is this serving in any way the greater good or the greater information? What exactly is the discussion? I'm still wrestling with it myself. Yeah, it's a very impactful photo, and I'm sure the photographer is going to have to live with it for the rest of his life. Should the New York Post have posted it? Does it serve any form of particular context? I, for myself, I'm still, I'm still, I really don't know. Would I have published it as the editor? I don't see how or why, but I'm not well-placed to decide. I really don't. As an editor, I would publish it, but I would write stories about either what was the problem there. Was it subway safety? Was it uh, suicide? Was it, like there's yes, it, there's a few stories that can be run. And mm-hmm. when you say the New York Post, what scares me is that the New York Post never tell yeah, any sorry. interesting <laughs> stories. So I don't know how well New York Post will do it, but I I don't agree with that discussion about because the person was about to die that it's an invasion or whatever like that death did happen and if there's a story that is worth telling about this death it's worth showing like mm-hmm. it's for me it's that simple like if you have i don't know how like there i think there's enough either suicide or accident in the subways to justify a story about the death in the subway Mm-hmm. Like, could there do we be? Add barrier? Do we add gates? Uh, do we have uh, you know emergency locks that can be pulled on the platform? Type of thing. Yeah, and and then I don't know because in Montreal there's always people like jumping in front of uh, for suicide. What's the discussion about suicide? What's the discussion about like? Is like is it a separate? If you just show it because shocking this happened Shock value. this month this happened this morning in the metro and then you just leave it like that. And it's the same as is it worth it writing that story? But if the image gets into a bigger story that's worth having, I don't mind showing that I don't I don't justify like the worthiness of a picture by the violence or the the sh- it's not because of a picture of shocking or it's because there's a, like the dead kid in Syria, uh, the Syrian refugee. Mm-hmm. If it serves a story, I don't mind if it's a, uh, a terrible image that it makes you cringe or it makes you... Uh... Sometimes that's what journalism is also about. Okay. So I think it's, it's worth having that discussion. If... Yeah, if it serves a purpose, yeah, because those things do happen. I definitely don't shy away from the shock value. It was uh, something I was just basically wrestling with because I did keep asking myself, like, okay, as, in putting myself in the position of the editor, having the final say of whether to run this picture or not, I can definitely see, you know, the, again, you know, the publishing value because, you know, people are going to eat this up. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe because I'm so detached and I'm just taking at this from the position of me, little old me, would I run with it? But it's just, you know, I, again, I was just tasking myself what would be, what would be the, you know, the motivation or justification towards running that, uh, that photo. I did see the the article about the New York Post, but the question would be like, what, what was the, how did they frame this image? How did they frame the image? Mm -hmm. Like in the term of the news story. Okay. Like what, 
knowing the New York Post, it was, I'm pretty sure it was something like, look at what happened this morning. Or I think it was, I think the headline was doomed. It's not like they just really like, you know, in bold characters, like doomed. He's about, this man is about to die. That's, that's the headline. Then I agree that it does, has no purpose. It's just to show like, this person is about to die. Have a look. But then that's if, <laughs> like there's a lot of problem with the subway, like they're in New York. Like there's a lot to talk about about the subway in New York. Mm-hmm. So it's <laughs> a lot of rats. <laughs> a lot of, there's, yeah, there's the rats. I'm sure they have suicide problems also. Like it's a no subway that needs investment. Like, yeah. It has I'm a sure. reputation. It has a reputation for sure. For sure. So wow. what that person there, did he fall? Like, as I said, like, I've never, I don't see I've the heard story. story. The long and short of it is there seemed to be an altercation between the victim and another gentleman. Um, through the scuffling, um, that person fell over the tracks, couldn't get himself back up. Train was coming. Photographer apparently, um, again, depending on who you ask, but he was firing off burst shots of his flash, uh, trying to signal the oncoming train that it was some, some person on tracks. Unsuccessfully, obviously. That's the big lines, the long and short of it from what I read. Okay, there are lots and lots and lots of deeper nether realms that you can just investigate for yourself, but that's the big story. That's different kinds. New York Post never came out with uh, their own version of the thing. But um, yeah, it, uh, it's, still, it's still being talked about right now. And I feel bad for the person's family because uh, there's a lot going on. This the again, you put out some very great points of view in terms of the discussion that can be had, but again, this is a pretty old story. But uh, are these have these discussions? Were these discussions had? I'm not sure. Talking about subway safety, talking about barriers, talking about mental health, talking about how we do we protect the commuters, and there are so many, so many different aspects. Like you said, it's all about how we frame the story and how we best serve the public by running such a photo. I'm not shying away from the shock value of it. Definitely not, because uh, you know we've seen our fair share of uh, troublesome circumstances uh, throughout images. But it was just you know my own personal questioning. It was just like no, oh. because because it's only because that issue comes a lot in people's reaction, like the the dead kid, the dead Syrian refugee. Uh-huh. That that people were like, why is it necessary to show that image? There was a discussion about is it worth seeing that picture? I'm like, well. You have political parties that are making their whole campaigns about not letting refugees in. Yeah. So yeah, showing the consequence of the refu- of of the war and how refuge what kind of danger they go through to make this yeah. happen. I mean, the, there there was a dead kid on the beach. There was a dead kid on the beach, and a child a child lost his life, you know, trying to find safer waters throughout these, you know, these particular particular political circumstances that are all going on right now. And you need to know this. And none. And if a long form article is not going to happen, the news media is not reporting enough for you. Don't take the time to ask the right questions or to research. Here, here's a photo. That I, that kind of photo I can definitely stand behind. As tragic as it is. So yeah, so it's it's definitely not the same kind of level of importance. So, but the other day I was I was and I was telling Vivardi this. I was rewatching uh, Finding Vivian Mayer on Netflix, a fantastic documentary. Um, and there's one of the segments. So obviously she was not a photojournalist. She was she was a nanny, 
And there's one of the instances where the kids where she's watching, one of them gets hit by a car, if I remember correctly. And instead of helping the kids, she just stands there and takes pictures while the ambulance shows up and stuff. So in that particular case, I mean, if, I, if I'm hiring a nanny, <laughs> my expectation is that she would be <laughs> taking care of my kid. At I, least, at the very least, where, <laughs> you know, the human-sided aspect takes over the photographers. So that's, I think they were also sure that she had some mental issues. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the first, the first kind of where you're like, huh, maybe not everything was right with uh, this wonderful, talented woman, but yeah, unfortunately that had mental health. Uh, well, they did mention that as well through all the talks that I covered. Uh, they did mention that uh, at the very least, when you're in a position, because the expectation of you being a good Samaritan, and if you're in a position to actually help the situation, actually help the situ the, the person in any way, who if you see that the subject, meaning a person that is actually in, in harm's way, you should definitely do your utmost to actually help the person. But again, if you're again we're going back there is it better to take the photo is this is the photo going to help the circumstance or am i just dropping the camera and helping the person whether we're seeing somebody um crossing you know muddy waters or like you know being about to get shot or we seeing a child who just locked their children or we're just going to drop the camera and grab the kid what do we do this is where you know where i go back to what we were saying in the beginning about you know the split second decision i don't think there's you can actually have a guideline and just tell yourself, okay, in this situation, this is what you do. In this situation, this is what you do. You can't, you can't do that. It's nice to have rules, but in that particular circumstance of, okay, you're in the middle of it, you're in the field, I can just tip my head off to you and just hope that you can make a decision that you can live with. That's all it is. I can't believe you can judge a person. Was in Haiti uh, right after the earthquake, and I remember what he did. Like, he pulled out a kid or something and all that, and then... Well. Oh, I think we lost Viv. Oh, we lost, we lost Dimitri. Dimitri! Oh, wow. The beauty of life. <laughs> he was about to make an excellent point as well. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's a question that Anderson Cooper, I don't know what he was going to say, but yeah. he got criticized a lot for help, trying to help. I was like, well, and I don't know. Are James? No, I think, uh, no, he's yeah, I think as well. we'll wait. But we'll wait. But yeah, the Anderson Cooper was like, he's not there to, I don't know, I was sh more shocked than the fact that he was trying to help, the fact that he wasn't. Wow. Because it was, sh then because it became about showing the foreigner helping people, it, be it became more yeah. about building him up. I think then actually making you know, a different attention to the to the circumstance. Yeah, I get you. Like, I get you. But at the same time, like maybe he did feel like standing there, not doing anything. Maybe he was totally. Who knows? Like, I'm not in his head, but maybe he was totally. In his particular appreciation of the circumstance, he thought he was doing a good thing. I guess. But, yeah, but. As a journalistic point of view, I don't think it was right to help. Well, I don't think it was right to, to do what he did. I definitely expected that, you know, we we're going to go really deep into the rabbit hole because there are no easy or, you know, straightforward answers to how we can go about, you know, navigating around the, the, the topic of ethics, especially in photojournalism. But you realize it touches so many, so many places. 
but uh definitely i really appreciate you guys' insight because it's definitely something that uh, i believe is worth talking no matter what your interest or what particular field of photography is uh is your niche but uh you know when you turn when you learn to understand how your photos can impact the world or impact your immediate environment it always like you know is a good idea to always think about oh okay how can this photo serve a purpose how can this photo serve a greater good or why exactly am i shooting for because it's always at the basis you're always asking yourself yes i shoot for myself but how do my photos have impact? Whether it's a portrait, whether it's, uh, you know, just a candid photo, what is some street? Because your photos at some point are telling a story. And what is the story you choose to tell in wh whatever which way? I believe that's, you know, that's the takeaway for me anyway. Did you have any particular thoughts on it? Um, no, basically what you said, like I think I said, it, um, as I think uh, journalists, a photojournalist is a journalist first, and I think the importance is to sh uh, share the share a story. And yeah, I think as I said, like as long as you're true to that story, like is the main questions or surrounding is something ethic or not? I think it's the first is the first question I think you should ask. Then then there's others about harm, about but. I think the first one uh, question of ethics should be around the truth, okay, and and then the harm and and to any other question that comes. So how do we and, serve the truth, and how is the truth ensured? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And oh. uh, yeah, and for example, like we're talking about uh, street. That's why I always saw street the way I did it as a photojournalism. I think I think it's just reporting on on the daily life. Mm -hmm. It's it doesn't have, the story is more uh, let's say mundane or more. Yeah, it's more showing the daily life of of a place, like how it functions. But that's I don't think it's the only way of doing street photography. But that's a street photography that I like. Okay. So so I I kind of bring the same ethic of journalism to street photography. And and that also like include like when the way I cover events. That's why I don't like doing, for example, weddings because you have to make a wedding look good. And usually, I tend to show my image tend to show the what <laughs> the the mood of the event. Mm. Like I really have a more photojournalistic approach to it. So if it was boring, you're going to see people <laughs> bored. You're going to tell the event as it happened. You're not going to try to show the best parts of the event. And that's totally fine. That is totally fine. If that's what, how you choose to cover it. And again, if the client knows that's what your style is. But I'm also well. not charging for, I'm not also not doing weddings for that reason. Like it's not like I do weddings <laughs> and show people getting bored. <laughs> I think that's why I don't, I don't focus on that. For sure. For sure. Oh, well, it's unfortunate that we unfortunately lost Dims. Uh, I texted him. He said that he's trying to reconnect, but uh, I'm guessing it's not working for him. But uh, hey, oh, he's back. Dims. <laughs> there you go. As you were saying. There you are. As you were saying. I was actually just like, you know, just saying how sad it was that we couldn't connect. But hey, yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if Fido, I hope Fido is not one of your sponsors, but I made <laughs> a life error of getting a Fido residential internet. 
and <laughs> it is absolute rubbish. Um, yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. Again, you know what? This is my house. And I do this it. is my little corner. You don't get, so you know, with Videotron or Rogers or whatever, not to get into the deals, but you get the internet people to come to your house and install it. And Fido are like, oh, no, you don't need, just, just take your modem home, set it up by yourself. And it's supposed to be Roger's connection, so it's supposed to work well, but no, it's absolute rubbish. The wonderful world of bandwidth <laughs> and high speed. Oh, well. But I was telling, I was telling Viv that um, I definitely expected us to end up in this little Pandora's box. Because if you realize, again, with every question starts a different type of conversation, a different type of, you know, reflection on uh, the impact of our images and how basically, you know, we need to be a little bit more. Well, I'm sure you are. But at the same time, we just it helps to ask this question of how what kind of an impact does this. We can't just be, you know, again, we, it's OK to shoot just to shoot. But at the same time, it never hurts to actually understand how our images can resonate uh, with uh, with the world and how one image can make a difference, however mundane or however detached. But if you take just two seconds to understand how far or how deeply this image can actually move or basically shift the mindset just a little bit, if that is your intent, definitely then kudos to you and again just talking about uh, again simply to just stay within the realm of ethics it always depends in my personal opinion of there are no right or wrong choices there are definitely choices that will be less popular with some and definitely championed by others but definitely it's, for me i believe it's all about the choices and the decisions that you can make and you can live with i'm not sure what your takeaway was yeah, well, I mean, I completely agree. For example, one thing as a street photographer, I don't take pictures of uh, homeless people um, like that are beg that are begging. Um, and I could have the argument to take these pictures. I could say that, well, you know, there's the story about how in the, such a rich country as Canada, you have so many homeless people. Uh, I mean, there's I could make that argument to take them, but I, it's something that I decided just not to do because I feel that there's something exploitative about it. So like you said, it's all personal decisions. It's all about what you feel comfortable with. And then, and you know, and, and I think like I'm, I share most of my stuff on Instagram and well, Instagram is not necessarily a platform where you get very constructive criticism uh, on your photography, but I, 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 I would, I would definitely want to see, uh, you know, my, my, my viewers or followers, or whatever, to kind of challenge some of my pictures and, and, and say, for example, if they, if they feel that like your picture is not ethical, I would love to be called out on these type of things. And, and, and I think just having that conversation, I'm, I'm thinking about it because there's a Christopher, um, I forgot his last name, but he's a part of seven. Yeah. You know, that, that photo agency and he's no longer mm -hmm. a journalist. He said that he, he's one of the people that's tired of seeing war and stuff. So he's more doing like fine art stuff now. And um, he posted a picture of, of a naked woman, like kind of in the middle of a city. And then there, there was this huge debate. I was kind of reading the comments and it's super interesting because he felt that the pictures were being empowering to women and kind of like control of their own bodies. And he was saying like, those are, I didn't make the, the concept that models were, but a lot of people thought that the pictures were exploitative. And then a lot of people were like, yeah, I'm a big fan of you as a photojournalist. Why are you doing this shit now? <laughs> so 
I think it's it's all about what you're comfortable as a photographer to, to what you're comfortable to go with, and then obviously you're if you're also ready to kind of have that discussion with your with your audience, you know. Definitely, definitely. See, there you go. You need to basically open up the conversation, and we mustn't shy away from the fact that again, our pictures are our own. It is our vision, is how we interact with the world, and this is how we choose to project our own vision onto our viewers and followers. And again, it's we're not hidden. Again, you know, just Kevin Carter wasn't wasn't you know hidden from you know the backlash of what his photo uh, you know created. Unfortunately, lost his life in the process. Uh, I'm sure he had his own personal circumstances. I don't think he killed himself because of that photo, but I'm guessing, you know, the backlash didn't help. But at the same time, it's all about, you know, how, you know, your your photos are projected into the world and how you choose to basically deal with the good and the bad of how these photos are projected. But again, kudos to you because, again, Instagram is a very good platform to engage into that conversation. But again, it's all about, you know, if people want to have something to say then say it don't just say okay oh nice nice you know like and heart and whatever like okay let's talk about it it's definitely worth the habit definitely worth it wow guys i can't thank you guys enough um for this again wonderful 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 generous uh, gift of your time uh for this awesome conversation as always again we touched on so many subjects it's amazing that you know we can talk about so much and not even see the time passing but again we do have lives but um thank you so much again for your contribution because it's always appreciated uh zims as always you can find you at the street zen on instagram viverdi i believe you're just viverdi b or just viverdi on instagram just viverdi so that's uh, those are the best place to see these awesome guys and uh, with the work they're creating throughout the interwebs so yeah, definitely hit them up and the website www.vodzifusibosico.com definitely i'll definitely uh link that into the show notes for this episode but uh hey if anything don't hesitate leave a comment on the blog leave a comment on the podcast share like do whatever you do i'm supposed to do all this cross promotion thing so <laughs> <laughs> i need i need the listening i need i need i need the i need the listens because uh you know because uh, i really enjoy doing this and these conversations really keep me jazzed up but uh, as a uh, itunes i mean that, that, that that's pretty that's dude, pretty cool. really, that's oh man thank you guys seriously seriously i did not think that you know because it didn't because uh, I, i just submitted it's like okay I'm, am i gonna get it but hey actually we are on itunes this is uh it's really it's it's a lot of fun it's my girlfriend it's like, she's like an iphone person she's never had like i've had android phones i have iphones and i i don't i'm not like a fan boy of any camp like i think they have both their 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 advantages and weaknesses but my girlfriend she's never i think she always had like uh, iphones and interest on me like people that don't have iphones where do they listen to podcasts and <laughs> <laughs> Well, Spotify has some podcasts, but like, I don't know. Like we're you can you get you can. There are different. There are different ways to go about them. Exactly, you can either get them on iTunes if you want. Uh, a very good one on Android is actually podcast. Because trust me, because I've tried every single one because I'm such a podcast fiend. But uh, you can try if you're on Android. You can definitely get Podcast Addict. It's a very good, solid one. Or the Google Play Store does have. If you go on Google Music. Basically, definitely, it has a podcast section. So definitely, it has all the catalogs of uh, basically equivalent of iTunes. Though so you can also get that, or Stitcher, or whatever, or TuneIn, or, or all those work. All those work. But it's a good accomplishment. I'm very proud of the of the iTunes a uh, little bit. So definitely, I'm trying to stay as regular and consistent as I can. 
So, you know, these little nuggets are really good. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, again, this ship is just still riding and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And definitely I can only thank you guys for, you know, being part of the journey. So I can't thank you enough. So really, really, this is really my thanks to you guys because I really appreciate it. You guys are part of this and uh, hats off to you as well. Uh, thanks to you for having us. I mean, it's always a pleasure. Uh, like some, I like how the, the discussions never <laughs> and and end. Yeah, you know, they, they, it's all like super open conversations. And it's never stale. It's never stale. So, never conversations, so I think that's great. And, and I think it's it's you're, you're doing a terrific job with with these podcasts, really. And thanks, man. Thanks, yeah. man. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for really bringing us together, man. It's, as always. It's as always, always fun. It's always fun. It's always fun. Well, until the next time, you guys have a great evening. I'll definitely let you know when the episode goes live. If anything, I'll link all the, all the websites and all the links and everything. But as always, this is me signing off. Thank you guys again for a wonderful conversation. Until next time, we'll see you soon. <laughs>